God shows up. That's all we can ever ask for, amen? If you want to be turning in your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in the book of Psalms, chapter 27. <laughs> While you're turning in your Bibles, I want to tell you real quick for those of you that are visiting, if you don't mind, right after the service, I'll be right down front. I'd love to get a chance to meet you guys. Some I got to meet at the door coming in, some I didn't. I'd love to have just a few minutes to talk to you, get to know a little bit more about you, give you any information you might want on the church. If you got just a few minutes, got a basket, I'd love to give you. Also, ladies, I know you heard it in the announcement. I want to make sure you understand, though, church tonight, 6 o'clock, the Rock Sunday School Room. If you go behind this building, for those of you who don't know, straight underneath there on the back of this are the set of double doors. That is the Rock Sunday School Room. Actually, it's the Rock Classroom. Um, it's where Emerge is headed right now for middle school church. But, ladies, tonight at 6 o'clock, you don't want to miss it. Um, Miss Miss Laura Witts. We'll be doing this first one. To be honest, this is a new format. Bottom line, we're just trying to find a better way to disciple one another. We're trying to find a better way to disciple us as Christians, disciple together. Don't feel like what we were trying to do after COVID, come back on Sunday nights, was very effective in terms of discipling ourselves. So this is a new format, something new that we're doing, but I'm I'm excited about it. It'll be an opportunity. Um, 30 minutes tops. Teachers, teachers, it'll be Laura tonight, teachers. 20 to 30 minutes tops, so you're looking at 6 to 6.30. You can fellowship all you want after that. But the goal here is that we learn more about serving God, that we become better disciples. And I'm excited about starting that tonight. Men, I guess that's this Saturday. We have the fellowship coming up down at Camp Hutch. Um, And then the following Sunday evening after that, we'll have the first of the men's Sunday night service. So I'm looking forward to that. Ladies, please plan to be there tonight. So in the book of Psalms, chapter 27, I guess I could have been turning there while I was talking, couldn't I? Since you all have already found your place. I did have a marker, though. I want to look this morning. You know, the really isn't my passage, but I couldn't look past the first verse of the 27th Psalm. It said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When I get down to verse number 10, I have what I guess is the life verse, if you will, for the Lighthouse Children's Homes. It has always been the verse of hope that that we give to the children who come into the homes around the world. It says that when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. But verse number 11 says, teach me thy way, O Lord. Listen, you made a choice this morning. We looked at choices two or three weeks ago, and we talked about the importance of choices. It's summertime, it's vacation time, it's late time, it's a lot of time, but Sunday morning is church time. And you made a choice this morning, where am I going to spend my morning? And you chose to be here to worship the Lamb of God. You chose to come here to to celebrate a risen Savior, to celebrate our own life as children of God, washed in the blood, the redeemed of the Lamb of God. You made a choice to be here. And the reason why, I believe, is because you want God to teach me thy way, O Lord. Is there anybody in here this morning you want God to teach you his way? You came to learn something this morning about the Lord, came to learn something this morning from the Lord. I'm excited about the morning's message. I'm excited about what God has taught me this week in my life. 
what God has done to help me, what God has done to further me, to strengthen me, to grow me. And I, I can't help but believe that if God teaches me, then it is something that he said will teach somebody else. Then he says, teach me thy way, O Lord. Lead me in the plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse number 14 is where I want us to camp out this morning. This is where I want us to spend our time. This is what I believe God has given me for this week. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The Holy Spirit penned the book, gave it to us to live by, and two times in that closing verse of chapter 27, he says, wait on the Lord, and then he capitalizes it. The Holy Spirit wants to make sure that you heard he said, wait, I say, on the Lord. So I want to look at that subject, if we could, for just a few minutes this morning. Wait, I say, on the Lord. God, thank you so much for your presence in this place, God. Thank you for those that you've called down to the altar, for those that you've prayed with. Thank you, Father, that we even have access into the throne room of grace that we might obtain mercy, that your word says we can come to you and pray and that people have come to the altar and spent time in the presence of a holy, sovereign, righteous God this morning, Father. I pray for every burden that's been brought in this place, every trial, every trouble, God. I pray for every situation. I pray you'd remind us of every good thing, Father, that we'd give you the praise for you alone are worthy. God, I pray you would continue to move. I thank you for the worship time. I thank you for your spirit in here, and I pray you continue to move among your people. God, I thank you for what you've given us this morning. Will you help us, God, as we look at the importance of waiting on you, Father, that you're first in all things. We love you, God. You've been good to us. Lord, we trust you. We thank you and we praise you in the precious, sweet, and holy name of Jesus, that one name that is above all names. And all of God's people said, Amen. You know, timing is important in everything we do. Uh, y'all, y'all know I like football. I can't help it. Uh, I, I just It's one of the games that I love to watch. But, you know, when you watch football, timing is important. When the running back gets the ball from the quarterback, it's important that the offensive line gets the hole opened up at just the right time. Or I guess you could be on the other side of the ball. Just as important for the defense is that the linebacker fills the hole at just the right time. You know, pass plays, I don't know what, most of you probably know this about football, but most of the pass plays are timing routes. I know it looks like a quarterback's throwing a ball to a receiver, but most of the time he's really not. A receiver has a route to run to a point, make a move here, make a move there, but he has a set amount of time to get to a specific location. I mean, think about it from the quarterback's perspective. He's in the shotgun, he gets the football, as soon as he gets it, he's ready to throw it, right? You got some 250 to 315 pound giants on the other side have one thing on their mind, that's to kill you. So as soon as he gets the football, he has every reason to want to get rid of it. But he's got a 3,000 count, a 4,000 count. He's got some things he's got to do because the receiver's got to run the route. Now, here's what's got to happen. He's not throwing the ball to the receiver. You get an out route, he's throwing the ball 15 yards down the field to the sideline to a point. The receiver has to run a route to get to the point. If any of the timing is off in that, then it doesn't work. Everything's about timing. We do. He's alive. Most people have no clue of he's alive unless you're some of the main characters. Andrew can vouch for it. That that everything's about timing. 
The entire play is literally based off the music, is it not? It's all about the songs. It's all about the, the even the, um, what, do you, what do you call the background noise? The bed tracks, the bed tracks, things in the background. And I know it tends to seem like it makes things flow and it puts some new music to, to cover over quietness. But everything is based on those bed tracks. Every word that he says, there's cues that, that come. When people bring in the stick, it's on a cue. On the cross, it's a cue. Everything's about timing. And if you get the timing off, then it throws the whole play off. Y'all know Judgment Journey. Most of you most of you's been in Judgment Journey. We send a wagon every seven minutes, right? Timing is crucial. You let one scene get off. You let one person get out of character. You let one thing get out of line. It backs up the whole trail. I'm just saying that everything in life is about timing. Everything is important about specific timing. But that's especially true when it comes to the things of God. God's timing is always perfect. And many times... We have to wait for God. Many times we even may know the right thing to do, but it's all about waiting on God's timing. So I want to look at some thoughts this morning. I want to look, number one, at what does it mean to wait on God? Another pretty important part is how do I wait on God? And then if I wait on God, how do I know that he's going to show up? If I wait on God, I don't get in the way, and I wait on God. Even though it looks like the world has fallen in around me, my enemy has risen up against me, even though it looks like I'm about to lose in every situation, if I wait on God, how do I know that he's going to take care of it? Waiting on God can be one of the hardest, yet one of the most important things that you and I will do in our Christian lives. I mean, waiting on anything is totally against nature. Somebody say amen. For us type A nutcase personalities, waiting just don't work. It's let's get it done right now. The sooner I get done with this, the sooner I can start something else. I mean, it, we're, we're not in a society that's prone to waiting. <clears throat> we're, we are irritated now because we can pop a full dinner in a microwave oven with everything and all the trimmings, and we're ticked off because it takes two and a half minutes to get it done. You're talking about a dinner that used to take an hour, hour and a half for preparation for a mom. And, and now we, we, want it, we want it quicker. We, we want ovens that cook faster because our cakes ain't getting done quick enough. And we wanted a real homemade cake. Microwave ain't going to get it, right? We want the real stuff. We want faster service in restaurants. I mean, Chick-fil-A is doing about as good a job with it as anybody in this new world that we're in, in this new drive-through world, and now they're changing everything. They think they've, I don't know, this may be true, may not be true. Benjamin, bail me out if I'm wrong. I read a thing that said they're changing something. They're trying to find a way to make it faster. Well, they're already doing a pretty good job. I mean, you pull in LaGrange, there's 493 cars in the drive-through. You can't even get turned into the parking lot. And you can get through there in 15 to 17 minutes, even if you can't get turned. I think they're doing a pretty good job, but it's not fast enough. Do you know you can pay just a few bucks a month and get internet, right? Everybody know you can have internet service at your house, right? And you can pay just a few bucks. How many of you have that? Don't you raise your hand. No, you don't. I'm going to tell you what you got. You pay the higher price because two and a half seconds on a click is too slow for you. You pay the premium price to get the faster speed. They got internet for nearly nothing. But we ain't going to do that because we want it in less than a half a second. So we pay more money so that when we touch the button, we get the answer. And I ain't got to wait two seconds to see that little squirrel. And I don't want to see that thing. That thing's just irritating. I could have already done something else when they did that for two seconds. 
So we're willing to pay more money to get a faster internet speed because we want something done in less than a second. I'm just saying timing is important. And in this generation, we don't like to wait on anything. But if you want to get it right, the Word of God says, wait, I say, on the Lord. Sometimes it don't make sense. You ever been in a situation that's urgent? I don't have time to wait. I mean, look at the letter I got in the mail or look at the situation that's going on or look at what the boss had to say or look at the storm that's coming up or look at the trial that's in my life. The situation is urgent and sometimes it seems urgent and, and I don't have time to wait. I need to get it done. And, and oh, Lord, God, help me. Anybody ever have your own ideas on how to get it done? I mean, I know, I know how I want it done, God. Aren't you paying attention? I mean, I've already laid it out in detail. All you got to do is do it. You can go ahead on your own. You, you can think you have the answer from God. And you may indeed have the right answer from God. But if you have the right answer and do it at the wrong time, it's the wrong thing. So, so waiting on God it is crucial, even when it seems like it is urgent. But you know, sometimes... Sometimes it's not that it's that urgent. Sometimes it's just that I want it. Y'all go ahead. You can buy a vowel right here. I ain't the only impatient one in the house. I'm not the only one that wants what we want when we want it. I want a new car. I don't want it next month or in four months. I want a new car. If you want a, if you want a new house or if you want to sell your house, anybody know what I'm talking about? It's not that it's really urgent. It's just that I want what I want. But it's not about what we want or when we want it. It's about serving God. When it becomes important is when we want what God wants, then it'll work out in God's time. Y'all remember three or four weeks ago I read this quote. I'm going to read it again from Charles Spurgeon. When your will is God's will, then you'll have your will. So how do I know the will of God? I was recently asked that question. Somebody asked me, how do I know the will of God? And I'll be honest with you, I did not know how to answer the question. I do not know how to tell you to know the will of God. I know how to tell you to know the revealed will of God because it's written. Here's all I know. I know when God gives me something to do, and if you're a child of God, you do too. I know the still, small voice over the noise of the world. I know the still small voice over the traffic of confusion. I know the still small voice over the temptations of the enemy. I know when the still small voice has given me something to do. That is the will of God. I don't know how to tell you to experience it. Just listen. Just listen to pay attention to things God says. And this is the only advice that I could give. One I'll get to in a minute that I know what the will of God is not. It's not God's will that any should perish. But I know this, if what you think God is telling you is not in line with that book, it ain't God. Because God will not contradict himself. So the question was, how do I know the will of God? All I really knew to say was, I just know when God's speaking to me. And, and you've got to know that same thing. You've got to know when God is speaking to you. But just as important as knowing what is knowing when. <clears throat> John Quincy Adams, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> he said, patience and perseverance have a magical effect before, before which difficulties disappear and obstacles vanish. What does it take to wait on God? 
Well, number one, it takes faith. We can't wait on God unless we fully trust God. The question is simple. Am I willing to trust God's timing and not make my own decisions? You know, it's hard to wait when the situation seems urgent and it seems like nothing is happening. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I just want to make sure we're on the same field here that we're all that it ain't just the life I'm living and everybody else is all up in there. Sometimes it just seems like nothing is going on, but faith is not something that we have. Faith is something that we learn. Faith is something that God has to teach us, and God teaches us faith when God shows up just in time. When God shows up after you've exhausted all opportunities. When God shows up when you've tried everything else that this world has to offer. You've done everything else you know to do. You've called every friend. You've secretly even checked out a couple of psychic pages to see if they could help you out. You've done everything that you can come up with, but when all else fails and God shows up, you learn what faith is. You learn that God will never leave you nor forsake you. He was there all the time. You weren't waiting on him. He was waiting on you. You weren't waiting on him to get there. He was waiting on you to get out of the way. God's always with us. Joyce Meyer says patience is not simply the ability to wait. Boy, this is a good one. Y'all paying attention? Patience is not simply the ability to wait. It's how we behave while we're waiting. Patience is not simply the ability to wait. It's how we behave while we're waiting. So what do we do while we wait? Well, Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. God says, be still. Wait on me. Now I'll be exalted among the heathen. I'll be exalted in the earth. Just be still and know that I am God. How do you be still? How do you be still when waiting on God? To be still doesn't mean do nothing. I've got my own quote. Note takers, you ready? It means to wait patiently while seeking earnestly. Wait patiently while seeking earnestly. It means keep on praying. Take like 1 Thessalonians 5.17 and pray without ceasing. Or, or look at Luke 18.1 that says, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Just keep on praying. Keep on reading. We cannot know the will of God if we have not read the revealed will of God because it's already written. We have to stay in the book while we wait. In the book while we wait. If you really want to see God, if you really want to study while you wait, if you really wonder, why am I having to wait so long? Why am I having to wait so much? Why is it so hard? God, why aren't you showing up? Back up into the Old Testament, Old Testament and you'll see the revealed will of God. Back up and look at some of the stories. Back up and read about Abraham, God himself called Abraham the friend of God. But back up and look at how much time he spent waiting in his life. He had to leave his father's house to go into a land that the father would show him. He had to wait until he got to the right place. He had to wait until he got to things. God is the one that told him, you're going to have a son, you're going to name him Isaac, right? Everybody know the story? 
God's the one that told him, I'm going to give you a son, and from that son will become descendants that are the stars of the heaven as the sands of the seashore innumerable. I will raise up nations from you from this seed. He waited 25 years for God to fulfill the promise that God made. He didn't ask for it. God said, I'm going to give it to you. He's all full of hope. He's nearly 100 years old. He's too far past the point. Sarah's barren. Her womb's dead. She's in her old age. She has no chance of having this child when God says now's the time. It involved waiting. Think, think about Joseph, one of the most incredible stories in the Old Testament. Read Genesis. Read the whole book. Read the story. God gave him a dream. Any of you do? Any, how many of you go to bed at night and say, I think I'll have a dream tonight and I'll pick out what I'm going to dream about? I mean, we dream some stupid stuff, amen? Where does that junk come from? He goes to bed and he dreams that his, his brothers are going to bow down before him. His parents are going to bow down before him. They're going to worship him. He's going to hold a spot of royalty. Pardon the expression, but after that dream, he went through hell on earth. Everything went against him. His brothers hated him. They sold him into slavery. He's cast off into Potiphar's house. He's thrown into prison because she wanted him and he didn't want her because he's too good a man and she lied about him and, and, and everything seems to go south. Everything goes backwards. And, and he waited for years for God to fulfill the, the dream that God gave him. It wasn't his dream. It was God's dream. You think about David. The Word of God says that David is a man after God's own heart, right? So God sent Samuel to Jesse's house. He says, I want you to go. You're going to anoint one of, one of Jesse's sons to be king over Israel. So he goes and he picks out like all the rest of us with a tall, handsome, good-looking, buffed-up one that looks like he ought to be a linebacker in the NFL with flowing locks of hair. He says, that's the stud right there. That's the man. He's the one. God says, no, that ain't him. He's like, man, I miss it. See, God doesn't look on the appearance of a man. He looks on the heart of a man. This ain't what God sees. This is what God sees. You can impress with this garbage. You can't impress God. It's all about what's in here. So, so he goes through all the sons, and God says, no, nope, ain't none of them. Well, there ain't any more. Samuel asked Jesse, is this all? He said, well, it ain't all. I got a little run out back. The Bible says a little ruddy boy named David, he's out tending the sheep out back, running a litter, a little small one. That can't be who you want. He says, go get him. We're not leaving until we've seen everybody. He comes in, and God says, that is the one. Anoint him. God had his prophet, Samuel, anoint David king over Judah. Y'all pay king over all of Israel there in Judah. Y'all pay attention. I want you to hear the rest of the story. He spent the next 15 years of his life from roughly about uh, 1025 A.D. until about 1010 A.D. He spent about the next 15 years of his life running for his life, hiding out in caves, trying to get away from Saul, just trying to stay alive. God said, I anoint you king. And for 15 years, he's on the run for his life, waiting for God to fulfill what God said I want you to do. Y'all get the picture? Do I need to go on? The Old Testament's full of them. The Old Testament's full of stories where, where God has shown up and done amazing things. The, these are the ones that made the heroes of faith in, in Hebrews chapter 11. These are the ones that God writes about, that, that did all the things, how Abraham left his father's house to a land unknown, and how Abraham put his only son Isaac on the altar, and God put the ram in the thicket, how they trusted God. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 4, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, 
God testifying of his gift, and by it being dead, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, was not found because God had translated him. Before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse number 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and here it is. Here's the key. Here's what you're waiting for. That here's reward of them that what? Diligently seek him. Not be still and do nothing. Not be still and become a couch potato. Not be still and watch sports till God shows up. But be still and know that he's God. Be still and diligently seek him. Verse 32, it goes on and says, what shall I say more? Or what shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson of Jephthah, of David also and Samlin of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Do you know what all these heroes of faith have in common? Faith. Do you know what else they all have in common? They waited on God. Their faith was increased because they, waiting, they waited on God. But waiting on God involves growing in God. Did, did y'all get that one? Waiting on God involves growing in God. When, when you need answers from God, and you need to see God move in your life, and, and you're waiting for God... Don't just casually read your morning devotion in your phone. Camp out in the Word of God. Live in the Word of God. Breathe in the Word of God. I'm not casting off on your devotion. By all means, put it out there. But get some more. There's some great ones out there. Charles Stanley, Adrian Rogers, or, 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 or um, Meyer that, that I just quoted. There, ladies, there, there's all kinds of great devotions. There's great things out there to help in a study. But you can't live in the devotion. You've got to live in the book. When you need answers from God, your little five-minute devotion at the morning ain't going to cut it. When you need God to meet you where you are, meet Him where He is. Get in the book, live in the book, read the book, study the book. An unnamed quote says, What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? In the Scriptures, the word wait means to hope. To anticipate and to trust. To hope and to trust in the Lord requires faith, patience, humility, meekness, keeping the commandments, and enduring to the end. Patience is the key. And most of us, if we got a fifth of an ounce of honesty, said patience is not one of my strong points. Patience is not the place where I live. Patience is not one of my greatest virtues. I, I, I don't like anything about patience. And that is why I'm waiting on God. I, I don't like patience and that is why God has to put me places to teach me patience. God wants us to learn that it's about his time and not ours. It's not that God doesn't want us to have things. It's not that God doesn't want to do things. It's just that God wants us to see him in everything. God wants us to see it on his time. 
Benjamin Franklin says, he that can have patience can have what he will. How, how many of you How many of you have ever had God do anything for you in your life? And you know, you know God showed up. You, you know God did some things. How, how do you have faith while you wait? You look back at all the times that God took your messes and made a message. You look back at all the times that God brought you through your test, and that's why you have your testimony. You look back at all the times when, when God made a way out of no way. When, when you were at the end of which, you're at the end of the rope and there was no way out and God showed up just in time. You look back. Listen, look in the Old Testament. Look at the stories. Look at David. Look at all did. But you don't have to look in the Old Testament to see the goodness of God. Look in the mirror. Look at your past. Look at where God brought you from. Look at the storms he delivered you from. Look at the trials he's brought you through. Look at the times he held your hand and walked through the fiery furnace. Look at the times he closed the mouths of lions on your behalf. Look at the time. It wasn't Abraham. It wasn't David. It wasn't the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was your God on your day, in your time, in your storm, in your situation when God showed up and said, I am enough. He was enough then. He's enough now. You need to know what it's like to wait on God, look back in your own life, and be reminded that God's always been enough. We have to remember those times. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Nine times the Word of God uses that exact phrase, Rejoice in the Lord. When we find ourselves waiting on God, you need to know what to do. You ready? You want the formula? There's a formula. It's pretty simple. Just how you wait on God. Pray, read, rejoice, repeat. Pray, read, rejoice, repeat. Pray, read, rejoice, repeat. If God ain't shown up, pray, read, rejoice, repeat. Y'all got it yet? Is it burning? I need one of them cute little jingles from a television commercial about you may hate the thing, but you learn the jingle. Pray, read, rejoice, repeat. Get up in the morning, pray, read, rejoice, repeat. It has to be a daily part of life when we're waiting on God. Sing songs of worship. Sing, listen, if you got one of them country stations on your radio, uh, listen, it, it, don't, it don't make a hill of beans to me. Dress like you want, live like you want. It's your life, don't matter. None, none, none of it matters. But, but if, if, you want, if you want God to camp out with you, then camp out with God. You want to listen to honky-tonk, drinking, whining, running around on wives and doing all that garbage, listen to that stupid stuff, but live in your own mess. If you're waiting on God, listen to something that will matter to your heart. Listen to something that will put you in a place of worship. Listen to something, you'll be driving down the road crying, and people riding by go, what in the world is wrong with them? People look, you're having a shouting glory, hallelujah fit. Riding down the road, done got a beat on the steering wheel, and they're like, I'm getting away from that psycho. They have no idea you're having a spell because the creator of the universe has put his Holy Spirit in your car because you're listening to something that matters. Sing stuff that matters. Listen to songs that rejoice and rejoice. 
praise God in the storm. Lord, help us. Remember, God's timing is perfect. It's, it's the key to waiting. It's the key to waiting. Pray, read, rejoice, repeat. Don't, don't, don't miss it. Waiting on God doesn't mean doing nothing. It means serving Him while we wait. It means prayer and praising while we wait. It means reading and searching while we wait. How many of you have seen the movie Fireproof? Hmm. I have. A little surprise. So, so for those that didn't, let me give you something real quick. So the movie's about a fireman, Fireproof. The, the fireman has a, he has a problem with pornography, looking at it on the computer. And because of that, his marriage is in shambles. He and his wife are at odds end. They've taken their wedding rings off. They're sleeping in opposite rooms. And, and to be honest, divorce is inevitable. The wife, she's well on her way now to having an affair with a the doctor. There, she's on the way. She's passed the wedding. already got the ring off. It's all good. But the husband's dad gives him a book called The Love Dare. The 40-day the, the love dare. Now, here's what had to happen first. Boy, everybody that always wants God to fix the other one, you've got to pay attention to this. Because it's always the other one's fault, right? God had to fix him first. God had to do work in him first. God had to make changes in him first. God had to strengthen him first. God had to do a work, and he began to search and to seek God. And when God began to do a work in him, he began to desire his marriage back. Part of the love there was to give his wife the dozen roses, and he gave her the dozen roses. He took that computer, sat there with the pornography, carries it out back with a baseball bat, and he destroys the computer, and he puts a note there for his wife that says, I love you more. She returns it with a note. It was his divorce papers, and he's crushed by it. And so he begins to wait, to wait on God. He begins waiting to see God, what can you do here? All he wants to do is restore what he's made a mess of. Can, can I remind you something? It's his mess. It's his fault. It's his failure. It's his sin. It's what he did wrong. He's in that mess. God, he's waiting on God to get him out of that. So I want to, if we could, real quick this morning, there's a song that goes with it. There's a clip right there in the movie. There's a song called While I'm Waiting. I want us to look at the clip up here, if you would. I want you to listen to the words of this song because this is a key to waiting on God. Y'all ready? Brother, we got that loaded.
I saw y'all. I don't think y'all got out all. I saw y'all nudge your husband in the reed. You see him washing them dishes? <laughs> Waiting on God involves so much more than doing nothing. Being still and knowing that he is God involves so much more. The song says that I will worship while I'm waiting. I will serve you while I'm waiting. God gave me another quote. Moan, you ready? We can't serve God where God wants to take us until we've learned how to serve God where we are. God gave me that for my own life. He gave me that to give to you. And he gave me that for this church. We can't serve God where God wants to take us until we've learned how to serve God where we are. Many times the reason we're having to wait is because we haven't gotten out of the way yet. We know what we want and we know when we want it. This is what I want and now is when I want it. But what if that's not God's plan? See, the fact is God has a plan for every life in here. 
Did he not tell Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee? That, that's true for everybody in here. Before a mom and a dad ever had a thought, God already knows, he already sees, he already knows you, he's already written the book of Revelation, he already sees you on the other side. God's already there. He already knows. God says, before you ever born. Listen, how many, of you, how many of you have some great ideas about what God could do to make your situation better? I do. Y'all with me? Anybody have any ideas beside me? Y'all please bail me out. Don't leave me up there by myself. Anybody have ideas about what God can do? And God, if you just do this, or if you just do this, or if you just do that, I mean, this would help this, and this or that. Can, can I tell you something? Before we ever had an idea, God had a plan. Before the first thought ever crossed our mind of any idea that we had, God already had a plan. The first part of the plan, of course, is salvation. It's not God's will that any should perish. He told us, 2 Peter 3, 8, Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is the Lord as is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us word. Praise God. Thank you for being patient toward us, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. So God made a way that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved because Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we know that it's not God's will that any should perish. It's the will of God for all of us to be saved. I'd like to think that all of you are. I don't know. That's between you. I'll leave that up to you. Salvation is a must. Trusting Jesus Christ is a must. Asking God to forgive you of your sins is a must. Surrendering your life and asking God to be Lord of your life is a must. But what about after we're saved? What about Christians? What about now? What is God's plan for our life now? There's so many things in this life that we have to learn from God. We have to learn faith. We, we have to learn patience. We have to learn strength. We have to learn endurance. We have to learn how to trust Him. And one of the greatest teachers of every lesson is waiting. Wait, I say, on the Lord. E.M. Forrester says, We must be willing to let go of the life we have planned so as to have the life that God has waiting for us. God has a plan, and God will perform his plan on time, every time, but his time's not our time. I, I, wonder, I wonder how many people this morning, YouTube, live stream, right here in the same, I wonder how many people this morning are waiting on something from God. I wonder how many people are waiting on God to show up in your life. You're waiting on God to, to show up in a financial situation. You're waiting on God to show up in a marriage issue. You're waiting on God to show up in something in the lives of your children. You're waiting on God to show up in something in a job. You're waiting on God to show up in, in any area of life. I wonder how many of us this morning are waiting on God to do something. I mean, anybody facing any problems? Anybody, anybody lay down at night, have some things on your mind that you can't forget? Anybody need for God to show up in, in your life? Anybody feel like you're, you're waiting on God in a situation? How are you waiting? How are you waiting? How is our attitude while we wait? When we get to where God wants us to be, then the waiting will end. But God may be doing something in a fireman. He may be doing it in somebody's the life of somebody around the fireman. But God's doing whatever is perfect 
Are we worshiping while we wait? Or are we serving him where we are until we get to where he's taken us? Waiting time is not wasting time when it's worship time. Y'all understand that? Waiting time is not wasting time when it's worship time. If we're serving God, growing in God, spending time praying, spending time reading, spending time singing songs of praise, that's not wasting time. That's just waiting on God to do something in us. You know, I was, I, I, I know this is for somebody besides me. I, I've told y'all before, I don't really look for confirmations. When I know God gave me a message, I know God gave me that message. I wasn't looking for confirmation this morning. I just want to share something with you because it spoke to me this morning. I think it will to you. Corey and Amanda gave me a, a money clip years ago. I don't care because I have money. But I know where it's at. It, it, it's in my cabinet right there to the right. And I, I can't tell you the last time I got it out. I can't tell you the last time I looked at it. I just know where it's at. I want you to understand me. I had no reason to open that cabinet this morning. None. I had no reason to get that thing out and read it. None. I mean, none. It ain't like I had any money. Hey, I get to use my clip today. It's, for whatever reason, I opened that cabinet. And I pulled it out, and I knew I had a verse on it. it. says, man of God, and this is what it says. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Who is it that gets all that? Wait, I say, on the Lord. Whatever you're waiting on, worship while you're waiting. Whatever you're waiting on, whatever you're seeking, whatever you're looking for, whatever it is in your life that seems to be in shambles, whatever storm you're in, when it's time, God will say, peace be still, and the storms will subside. I want to ask you to stand if you would. Band, if you guys would come on up. I'm very thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit in here this morning. I'm very thankful that he would gather among us. God said we're two or more would gather in his name, and we're gathered in his name. And I know that God is in this place. Not only have I felt him in my own life, I've seen him in yours. I've seen him in your worship. I've seen you at the altar. I've seen you pray. I've seen the presence of God on your life. When you're in the presence of God, there's not a better time to bring a petition before God. Pray, read, rejoice, repeat. If you want to spend time in prayer, altar is always open. You're welcome to come down and spend some time with the Lord. You can pray right where you are. We're going to spend some time rejoicing. These guys are going to sing a song. Just take a few minutes and do what you need to do with the Lord.